Tales from the Tavern was recorded in front of a live Twitch audience. I'm Commander Shepard, and Tales from the Tavern is my favorite stream on Twitch. everybody welcome back to another episode of tales from the tavern i hope you all had a great week this past week i know i did um and uh you know another couple busy weeks coming up again soon but we'll talk about all that later uh hope you all uh are doing well i am very excited to introduce our guest tonight we've got a few people that are coming back uh to visit again tommy <clears throat> cough cough and uh and brent who has been here before also and then we've got a few new faces that are with us um and as you can see steve the baby dragon is back uh we had a uh a last minute injury for somebody that was on the party uh in, in our in our party tonight so uh unfortunately she ended up having to um she ended up having to bail so uh uh we are down one person but that's okay that just gives the rest of us more time to answer all of your questions so i would like to go around and give everyone a chance to introduce themselves and tell us a little about who you are and where people can find you on social media and all of that good stuff so uh brent we're gonna start with you oh okay <laughs> uh my name is uh brent uh, also known as dork lord canada on twitter uh, DorkLordCanada.ca is also my website. Uh, I am a tabletop role-playing game and speculative fiction editor. Uh, I also write about tabletop games on my site uh, and uh, theRathole.ca. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming back on and hanging out tonight. I'm excited yeah. to, to see you again. Um, we're going to skip Steve because, as we know, he doesn't talk very much. So uh, we're actually going to go over to Lisa. <laughs> Um, I'm an actress and a streamer. Uh, I stream on Twitch under the name Hey Smalls. I play lots of um, horror games, lots of adventure games. Um, I recently started cooking, so a little bit of everything. Um, I'm also an actress. I've been uh, on a couple shows, uh, Z Nation and Twin Peaks, um, as well as uh, I write and produce some short films on my own uh, in my spare time. And right now I am currently a full-time university student online oh my gosh you have a lot on your plate <laughs> i do <laughs> well thanks for making time to come on and uh hang out tonight i'm excited to get to get to chat a little bit um tommy hey thank you so much uh luna for having me on again tonight i know uh it's gonna be a super fun time look forward to hanging out with everybody on the dais my name is tommy math of math productions uh i'm a commission miniature painter and digital battle map uh creator 
Um, so those are the two things to highlight tonight. If you need a miniature painted for your game, or if you do any sort of live stream, live play, um, anything where you would need a battle map, even if it's just at home or you want a cool-looking battle map for your phone screen, you should hit me up because there's a lot of people that are just almost as good as me, but I promise you that I'm probably the best <laughs> and one of the cheapest. So uh, we'll go with that. I also partner with the Boys and Girls Club uh, locally here in Indianapolis to bring miniature painting TTRPGs to uh, kids' grades, kindergarten through eighth grade. We're on summer break right now, but here in a couple of weeks when school starts back up, we'll be uh, right back in the classroom bringing our world down to the next generation. So donations are always welcome. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you for coming on and hanging out. I have uh, I've loved seeing all your photos from uh, the Boys and Girls Club. That's also that's super fun, and I love that you're doing that. And I love that the kids are so excited about it. <laughs> they legit love it. I thought legit going into it. I get like five, six kids maybe. We went through almost 200 minis in three weeks. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's right? fantastic. I love it. Right. Awesome. So. All right. Um, and uh, and uh, last but certainly not least uh, tonight, we have, well, we know him in Discord as pending data. <laughs> uh, they're very active in my Discord. So go ahead and introduce yourself to the community. <laughs> uh, hello. Uh, on TTRPGs, I go by Animanium. I don't know where I got it from. So just don't ask. Uh, I make TTRPGs. I started making them technically a couple years ago, three months into even playing a TTRPG, I started making one. However, I started selling them la this year. Uh, I make TTRPGs. I try always incorporating a unique mechanic that you don't see all that often, like instead of dice cards, uh, text, like the one that I'm currently making requires you to text family members for decisions. Interesting. So, very yeah, cool. very cool. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for coming on tonight. All right. Uh, we are going to uh, talk a little real quick just about how the stream works. If you're here for the first time, let me tell you a little about what you can expect. So everything that we're going to talk about tonight comes from questions from chat. So if you have a question for our panel, I already saw a couple that have come in. Um, so we'll start with those. Um, but if you have a question for anybody on our panel, please feel free just to drop that in chat. I have a moderator that will make sure that we get it. So, um, we can, you know, put that in the queue and answer it. However, if you uh, have this burning question and you absolutely want to make sure we have time to get it answered, please feel free to use the Ask My Question Next feature using a thousand channel points. You can have your question bumped up to the next one in the queue. Also, I would be remiss not to remind you that we do have a channel point reduction for cat treats for my cats. So they would be very sad if I did not remind you all of that. Um, they've already been up on the desk a couple of times earlier looking for cat treats. So, um, so that's a thing. Just a reminder. All right. So we, oh, and there we go. We've got cat treats coming in already. All right. So yes, we're I redeemed start, one. As I, as I pull the cat treats out, I'm going to start with the questions that we've had coming in from chat already. And the first one for the night that we got comes in from the ink den and they would like to know, do your characters need to have their own designated dice? As a DM, do you sanction certain dice for certain things like one dice decides the weather or not whether or not uh, for let me try that again. One die decides whether or not the resurrection works. <laughs> so two part question. Do your characters have their own designated dice? And if you're DMing, do certain dice have certain things that they determine? 
Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yes. Dive um, right in. <laughs> I'll dive right in. Um, I've done two tabletop streams that each lasted a year. We played Monster of the Week, and one of my characters was um, uh, from a fire planet, and we had somebody send in custom dice for each of our characters. Oh, and wow. so um, I'll see if I can find them. So I had fire planet dice that I only used for that character. That's awesome. One of my mm -hmm. things. And then my, I have a seven year long uh, D and D campaign with friends and I have specific dice for that for sure. Okay. I'll cover the exact opposite of the spectrum <laughs> and speak some blasphemy real quick and say, no, I just, I just, grab some dice and chuck them i don't even look really i mean i got like my best dice in a box that like is separate from all the other dice but i mean i no i don't have any sort of ritual or order i just grab and throw yeah it's been so long since i've actually played on a regular basis that i don't i mean if i played on a regular basis yeah i probably would um, I think the closest I've come to it is I have a pair of uh, six-sided dice uh, that I got from my friend Rhonda Parrish, who um, every time she publishes an anthology uh, of short stories, she gets a special set of six-sided dice made for it. And this one was all about uh, crows and ravens and other corvidae. Uh, and so they're beautiful little bluish-black six-sided die with a uh, raven for the six side um and i use those when i play the between because it seems appropriate to that game but uh yeah, i just don't have the plus i did organize play for like you know almost like well over a decade so i'm used to just having a big jar of dice that i hand out to people if they need them so that's just what i use because why bring my own so, no, I don't have one set for each character, because I have a set that I use whenever I am playing D&D as a player, and then I use all my other sets besides that set when I'm DMing. So this set, it's uh, blue and purple, has not been used, it's only been used three times. Because I've only played D&D as a player three times. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people who are regular viewers of this channel know that I am a bit of a dice goblin. Um, they probably at this point know how many sets of dice are within arm's reach at this very moment. Um, but I, I usually am somebody that will pick a specific set of dice to play for each character. Um, that said, if I'm in the middle of a campaign and I go to PAX East, I will buy a new set of dice for that character <laughs> at PAX East. Because that's sort of like the first year I, I went to PAX East was in 2012, 2012. And it, that just became my thing. Like every year at PAX East, I buy a new set of dice. And so like at first it started out like, oh, I'm playing a treasure hunter. I'll get these cool like gold looking sparkly like treasure kind of looking dice. And then it just became like I need to get a new set of dice every year regardless of whether or not I'm in a campaign. But if they um, uh, if they if I happen to be in a campaign, I will pick out a set that matches that character. <laughs> oh, the ink den. Uh, uh, Dragoness has a nice ring to it. I like that. 
<laughs> they asked in chat, do I prefer Dice Goblin or Dice Dragoness? <laughs> Why not DM? Dice Master. Dice Master. There we go. That's a good one, too. All right. Um, so we got a question from Orcrist, and Orc would like to know, what is the weirdest character you have ever played? <laughs> so in my last campaign, it was the first actual 5e campaign that I was a player in or whatever. And uh, so it was the one before Luna when we played the Starfinder. So my last game prior to that, so it was weird, not un, completely undifferent or indifferent from most of my other characters. It was me. It was just an old, frail, druid hippie that likes to chill out in the woods, looks like a dirty hippie, and randomly is really good at battle strategy, or thinks they are at least. But, like, so the race system that we used, it, like, it was modified by James McCloy. If anybody knows him, Shadowfang, I think is his uh, Twitter handle. But so like I had this like weird poison that would like secrete from my body and like I don't know it was just a weird dirty gross hippie druid dude so I'm, I know it's not that weird I guess to other people but that's probably for sure the weirdest character I've ever played it was fun though I'd say the weirdest character I played with mind you this was the DM's entire want was for the weirdest characters he even told us just to use homebrew nothing else but don't tell him what's homebrew. Yeah, he was asking for trouble. But it was a uh, mimic. Yes, I played straight up as a mimic, who was a wizard, sorcerer, rogue, bard, multi-class. He had to start at level 40, though, which is weird. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I did 10 levels in four different classes... Homebrew, homebrew subclasses I don't remember because it was Jewish years ago. But yeah, a mimic running around throwing fireball at people. <laughs> awesome. I like that. I don't think I've had like a, a... It's so hard. Like I did this show called Masters of the Metaverse and it was like... You played your character, but then your character would become an avatar, depending on what, like, world you were in, and you had a slider that would move you back and forth. And, um, chat was able to create this event that happened where every player had to speak what they would do to get out of this current situation that was dangerous, and whatever got the most votes, you had to do it. And so, I yelled <laughs> out, it was a bunch of crocodiles, and I said that I would serenade them in crocodile in the tune of sexual healing and it won <laughs> to do it and it was so embarrassing uh, so that's like the that's weirdest awesome. thing I've ever done <laughs> yeah yeah I don't often play characters that are like just flat out weird um, but I do enjoy giving characters strange little aspects that get discovered over time um, so probably the one that I enjoyed the most was uh, I was playing in a Call of Cthulhu campaign uh, uh, called Clockwork Vines, um, and I was playing Dr. William Lindsay, who is a Scottish uh, doctor, medical doctor, uh, who is also a bit of a foodie. Um, 
And what people learned over the course of the series was that uh, Dr. Lindsay was sort of ahead of his time. He liked repurposing a lot of medical equipment um, to cook food. So he was like an early, um, what do they call it, the, the one pot, the um, adopter, except just used his autoclave, the device that they use for sterilizing surgical equipment, because it, you know, it's the same thing, basically. Um, so that was probably one of the weirder characters that I played over. I'm trying to think if I have any weird characters. I don't, as a general rule, tend to play like weird characters either. Um, uh, although I did play a psionic once, uh, when I was playing D&D 3.5 like a million years ago and so like it wasn't a weird character in that the character in and of itself was weird it's just a weird class to play you know it's just it doesn't function like any other class so uh so that was kind of interesting um and I, I may have taken advantage of the fact that it was really easy to break the DM's game so <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think this character's dead. And he's like, well, crap. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I mean, that was probably one. Um, I played when, uh, so Tommy and I did a little offline, like, four-week Starfinder game uh, where I played uh, a rat folk. Um, again, she wasn't weird, but, uh, like, magic users are not generally my norm, so... She was a like magic in like in the way that Shadow, um, not Shadow Run, the way that Starfinder um, uses magic. But uh, so again, for me, like that was probably a weird character. But it wasn't, it wasn't a weird character, <laughs> if that makes sense. That's how I felt about it. Our little dueling uh, mouse folk or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like the composition of that game: two mouse folk, a cyborg, and a giant lizard dude. That's by far the weirdest composition for the party that I've ever played. But like, none of the characters were really that weird. They just were like different species than us, I, I guess. Like, although they're fun though. I I I would say that. Uh one of the party members was weird in the fact that like he's like okay we killed this guy i'm gonna put on his armor now and like basically it's like <laughs> the guy's armor is like his skin and it was really weird and gross but <laughs> that did happen that, that did, did happen, happen for sure <laughs> yeah that was a thing well okay so this is not my player but the character but this is a character of someone i jammed for so this was while playtesting a camp, uh, system that no longer exists that I made. It was the first system I made. But it was Avatar The Last Airbender themed. That's where I drew a whole lot of inspiration from for the game. Uh, they decided to play as a dragon who breathes out tea. And just by drinking the tea, you controlled an element for like three minutes. That's funny. I like that. And, and then I started inserting tea dragons into literally every campaign for no, <laughs> no matter what system it was. So. Tiny little pocket-sized dragons that just breathed out tea. Uh, nice. I like that a lot. Uh, the dragon was named Iroh. 
like Uncle Iroh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. We had an ask my question next come in. So I'm going to jump to that one. Um, the Ink Den had another question. And the question was, is there an, a character NPC or PC turned NPC that came back in later campaigns or that you keep putting into the campaign? You know, like a tea dragon. <laughs> um. Uh, actually, I, I keep, in one form or another, whether I name him or not, uh, I keep bringing back a character that I used to play, uh, again, way back in 3.5, uh, the Living Greyhawk uh, organized play. Uh, I played a gnome bard by the name of Argent, uh, who got around the battlefield uh, riding his, uh, his riding dog, uh, Coda, and uh, make up for the fact that Argent was a gnome and couldn't move very fast. Um, for whatever reason in our area, uh, nobody was interested in playing clerics. So I ended up doing a lot of the healing because that's something that bards could sort of direct their energies towards. Um, so it was me on the back of Coda with a, usually with a, a wand of cure light wounds rushing around the battlefield trying to keep people on their feet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I have a lot of fun with that character. And, um, you know, when we had to retire, uh, when I had to retire him in Living Greyhawk, I just kept all the sheets and, you know, I had him logged through various levels. So it was really easy for me to bring him back as an NPC through various campaigns and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, just kept having a lot of fun with him. So, like, my first ever character I made, his name was Matt. Surprise, right? <laughs> and he was a uh, little, in my head, he was a little hobbit druid, because that's because I was a huge fan of Lord of the Rings, and I just opened up a 5e book and started making a character. So I was like, halflings? These are hobbits. I don't know what you're talking about. So in my head, Matt is canonically a uh, lightfoot hobbit, uh, druid or whatever and he started out as my first pc when i was doing basically like i would just play solo to learn mechanics and stuff like that and then when i started like home brewing my own worlds and how to basically learn teach myself how to be a gm like i had always had math he was my little homie and then uh, all the way up through long story short when i did the kickstarter for it's a math world the 5e uh, welcome to more dice supplement portion of it it actually, uh, spoiler, it ends with Matt showing up to the party after they just successfully completed this, like, three-quest tutorial or whatever. And he does that stereotypical, like, oh, glad to find you, more trouble's on the way, as a, like, teaser to the uh, eventually coming uh, next Kickstarter project that I've been working on. So, Matt, he's always been with me, even before Matt was Matt to everybody else. That's cool. I don't GM, so I don't have a character that keeps coming back. <laughs> um, so, besides T-Dragons, I also have a character... This was the very first NPC introduced in my very first campaign three years ago. Uh, he's a turtle. He was supposed to just welcome the people to the realm. He ended up being all their fathers. The entire party. All one father. A bit weird, 
about, but his name was Wartol. His wife was Wartol, and he he showed up in multiple different uh, campaigns, different iterations, a couple of different versions of him as well, but all with the same like. Yeah, I have so many children that I don't even know. Sort of aspect. And wise old man probably gonna die soon attitude. Alright. Um Okay, let's see. Um, so the next question that we have, this is this is uh, the one that I warned you all about in the group chat ahead of time. Um, so what is, this comes from Jason, and Jason would like to know, what is one thing you think defines a nearly perfect TTRPG session? I was like, oh man, that's a big question. <laughs> Communication and creativity. That... If you're creative, even if it's the even if it would be the worst session, if you're creative about it, it'll be amazing. For me, what makes it really fun is when the DM is really open to input from the players, so we all kind of create together, um, and they just foster this super creative environment that we get, you know, and they're not like saying no all the time. Like I've had such great experiences with dms that they were like took my ideas into account and everybody's and helped like create the world that way definitely agree with that i mean that's pretty perfectly stated uh but i'll go with uh, to add something new to the sauce i guess um so i look for like three things to happen like each time i'm a player so like i want to laugh which that's pretty easily obtainable, right? But if I don't laugh through like an hour to three hour game, that was probably a good sign. It didn't do, didn't do too well. But uh, so I want to laugh. Uh, I really hope that I get a moment where I feel stupid because I'm one of those people that likes to figure stuff out ahead of time, like likes to jump the gun and think that I can assume and guess what you're thinking and outsmart the GM and be like, ah, oh, they think they're leading us down here blind, but I, I know what's coming next or whatever. So like, I love it when something happens and I'm like, what? I did not expect that. Uh, I know that that's harder to obtain than the first one, but there's at least a balance with the two. And then uh, the third one is, I hope that everybody is... I was going to say ends with a smile, but I guess you don't have to if you like end on like a shocking cliffhanger, maybe like a plan down note or something like that. Not necessarily end with a smile, but like no one should walk away from the table like clearly with that vibe that like something's off, like somebody rubbed them the wrong way or did somebody dirty. Like as long as everybody's feeling good at the end of the game, we smiled and I got to feel stupid at some point, then A1, we're good. That was fun. I think to that point, um, the uh, like when you have a session that ends with everybody going, oh, my God, that part when blah, 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 that was so cool or that was so funny or that was such a great idea or, you know, and you're still talking about it, you know, 20, 30 minutes afterwards. And then like the next day you're still sending a text message about it. Like mm -hmm. that for <laughs> me is when I am like, that was a really great game, whether it's a one shot or a session in a campaign or something like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, 
when you find a table where there's just really good chemistry with everybody, like it doesn't even have to be like the most productive night at the table. It could be just something fun and silly or whatever. But um, yeah, it's uh, uh, that for me is when it's really like, that's when I know like this was a good night. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I have all of everything you've said, everyone has said up to this point is absolutely true. Um, and it's stuff that I look for as well. I think when I'm GMing, I know I've had a good session, if the or I'm having a good session, if the players are asking me questions about, like, things in the world that I haven't really touched on yet, or they're... Like they're they're interested and invested in what we're talking, what we're world around them. Um, but I know I'm having a great session when a player tells me about something in my world, just decides and decides to own that little piece of the campaign that we're playing, and like tells me that like this is the name of their hometown and this is what goes on there, or tells me that this is like the you know their favorite their favorite regional dish when they were growing up you know that sort of thing so uh, that reminded me of something that kind of both connects that and what lisa was saying the you know let taking in the players ideas but also letting them just own something like own like they say something as if it's true and just own it just letting them, instead of going like, is this poisonous? To a plan, going, this is poisonous. And then rolling to see if they were true or correct or not. You know? Yeah, I know not probably... fully connected, but... Yeah. Um, to speak to the, like, being surprised, that's such a key clutch thing and a thing. And our... DM, um, he goes by the Dr. B on Twitter and he's phenomenal and I've known him forever and he took such care one session that one of us randomly like picked up a, a treasure or something and he had like actual like props for us and they got like a, a wand but it was basically just like a pen light it wasn't a big deal and then at the very end four hours later we got what we needed which was this like coffee tea stained scroll but it was blank and we were like, what the hell does it say? And turned to find out the pen light on it was a black light and revealed the message. And I was like, oh, my God. That's like, so cool. Um, it was that's so mega dope. cool to have, like, somebody put that much care. It felt so real, you know. As an great. aside, I just have to ask, is that Rafael Bacamazzo? Yeah. <laughs> I am a huge fan of his work. <laughs> he's phenomenal. And he's been our, our DM for like, since like 2014. Yeah. I've, I've seen him speak years. at almost every PAX East since 2012. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of what he does. So <laughs> he's incredible. And he's so thoughtful and funny and has to put up with us because we get off track all the time and like go on side tangents. And it's so funny. I, yeah, I, I mean, I could see that happening. I, I think it, it goes back to that, like, having really good chemistry at a table thing, I think. You know, I feel like sometimes yeah. you have to have a table that does that because it's just... Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Let's see. Um, so the next question that we got is from, <laughs> this is from Wolf's Blood. And I'm going to preface this by saying there is a reason he is asking this question. Uh, those of you who watch regularly or may have been around when this came up, I saw the raid from DMDM Studios, and they probably know where this is going if they're still here in chat. Um, you've received a new magical item, a pair of arm-length latex rubber gloves. What magical attribute okay. do your gloves grant you? <laughs> Ooh. I know I've answered this one in the past in the chat. I just remember what I said. I know you liked it, though. <laughs> so, like, wait. I need to make sure I understand this, because I'm an overthinker. So, this is, like, I got on some magical cleaning gloves, and am I trying to figure out, like, some mechanical, like, bonus they give me? Or just, like, actually, lorically, or whatever, like, I now can do this because of this. Or could it be my discretion to choose between my two I would options? say use your discretion at this point, unless Wolfsblood okay. wants to clarify something in chat, but I'm pretty sure he's oh. just going to say, just tell me what they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, mean, I would expect nothing less. They're, they're shoulder-length <laughs> gloves, so they're a little bit more than cleaning gloves. Yeah, so well, no, well, let, me, let me go back. Let me tell you right? why he's specifically asking for arm-length latex gloves. So we had an episode several months ago where uh, somebody asked the question, what do you do when your players derail a session? And the answer was that Wolf's Blood gave was, you know, those arm length latex rubber gloves that vets use when birthing calves. <laughs> and somebody said, oh, you mean like this? Ran off screen, came back with a pair. <laughs> and we went, that's what happens when you have a when you have a group that derails your chat, um, when that derails your game is you you just go with it. So, yeah, love it. <laughs> so anyway, that's where the arm length rubber gloves came from. I, I just remember what I said when it was asked, asked in the past. Uh, you gain advantage on all checks with nobles because now you're just wearing a a noble ball gown. They're, they're just princess latex princess gloves. Yep, that was I'm a good one. I'm going to keep with the veterinary idea and say that it's not like a number mechanic increase or advantage or nothing. You just, like, you get to instantly birth an animal companion, like, and everything went great. Like, as long as you're wearing these gloves, you can, like, lay a hand on the belly of the little animal that's going through labor or whatever and then it's like everybody blinked and there's a new baby right there cleaned up ready to go mom's healthy but that's only work if you got animals that have litters all of them every single little baby as long as you got they're stupid rare like you can't just go to tractor supply and buy you these magic gloves but if you get you a pair instant babies no problem uh, let me write that down. Because <laughs> I don't know what else I would really use those for. Cleaning septic tanks. But you would still have to put your hand... I don't know. I guess for the babies. Either or. Whoever's writing the homebrew. You can take both of those ideas for free. <laughs> yeah. When I first heard that, I completely missed... I did not hear the latex uh -huh. part of it. 
It's like, oh, princess gloves. <laughs> well, I mean, don't judge the princess. Right? It's all right. Some princesses might like to birth calves. You never know. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. My answer is a little meta. I think if they're magical shoulder-length latex uh, gloves, uh, they're obviously gloves of Twitter handling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's fair. That's funny. Give you a bonus to navigating Twitter and other forms of social media. Nice. I really like that. (laughs) Thank you for the idea for a new teeth RPG. (laughs) Um, Alakazam in chat just said they're gloves of cleanliness. They let you cast Prestidigitation, but only to clean or or dirty a surface within range. I need me those. I'm I'm OCD about stuff. Yeah, I need those. Zach also said plus two bonus to medicine or animal handling checks made with cattle. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And uh, Jason said, "I'm afraid they'd be ogre. Uh, they'd be ogre of ogre power." <laughs> oh my gosh, I think I'd like to set myself up for like getting in trouble. So I would say that if I'm wearing them and I smack someone, I get to know their true intention. Ooh, Ooh. yeah, I like that I'm idea. Also allergic to latex, so I really can't wear them. That oh long. yeah, no. Ooh, Maybe fair. we'll get you some non-latex ones. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you the off-brand. Robber one? Yes. <laughs> That's kind of like extra insult taunting though on the victim, right? Because you just got slapped by somebody wearing some shoulder-length gloves, though. <laughs> yeah, allergic like, to. I, I really like you. I just want to know if you're cool, Smack. You know, <laughs> it'd be fun. <laughs> what would be even funnier though is if it just always the curse variant just always lied. About that's your intention. Oh, no. You didn't know that they. You don't know that they're cursed until after you smack someone. <laughs> Gloves of disinfectant. They let you summon a bottle of disinfectant at will. <laughs> oh. I like I, that. I see two, no, and three it. very good questions in chat right yeah. now. Yeah, we've got a few that will be coming up to later. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I I really like that answer about using them to navigate social media. <laughs> um, right. I don't... Uh, what would I use them for? I would use them for probably something super uncreative. Like... I don't know. I don't even know. Nothing is immediately coming to mind. I would probably, I, like, the first thought that came to mind was, like, I'd probably use them for, like, medicine checks or something, but, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that question, though. It, it always brings up some fun answers. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. Uh, Orcris has another question, and I always love this because I always learn about new game systems, so I literally keep uh, pieces of paper in front of my desk in case I need to write anything down. Uh, the question is, what game system have you not played that you really want to try? Ooh. Oh, this will sound bad, but Powered by Dreams, one of the TTRPGs I made. It's for sale and I've never played it before. Like, not even as a playtest? I don't playtest things. <laughs> I feel like that's uh, 
there's a I think it's a card game called We Did Not Play Test This. <laughs> there is, there is. It was I played it before. It was so fun, but so unbalanced. Like my prophecy is that if it's fun, it doesn't need to be balanced. I can get behind that to an extent, yeah. I'll go with Pathfinder 1 and 2. I've never played either of them, but I painted, like, a ton of Pathfinder goblins. They're probably one of, the, like, the cutest little evil gremlin creatures, like, in the... Right, in the ones that have the grenades, and they're like, <laughs> like, hold... I love them so much. Yeah. There's some sitting right over there. But uh, aside from Pathfinder 1 and 2... I'm like, uh, I don't want to say like originalist because I'm not like this in other aspects. But when it comes to games, like I like playing the original, like seeing how it's developed, where it's come from, like stuff like that. So I would really enjoy playing like first edition D&D or AD&D, like 3.5. I've never played any of those. So knowing now, like at least enough to be able to play 5e or to DM 5e, to be able to go back and see like where it's come from, that would be super cool to me. That would be fun. Uh, I started with 3.5, so I, I, but I never played 4. So I only know the difference between 3.5 jumping straight to 5. Like, I know what I've heard about 4, but yeah. Gosh, I think I just really want to play Ravenloft. I've never played any of it. I've got a bunch. I've got like somebody donated their forty-year D and D collection to me, and um, there's so much to go through. But the Ravenloft looks so fun. I was like, this would be such a good October campaign. I'm yeah. like, dress up for it. Looks it looks really fun. So that's like top of my list. There was I... a... oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, I. I so many bundles on itch. So <laughs> so I have literally at this point hundreds of games that I'm just like I haven't even started reading, never mind getting a chance to to play them. But um ones that I ones that I actually have a chance of playing coming up. Um Bluebeard's Bride, um which I'm really excited to Oh, it's such a beautifully, horrifically beautiful game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It is, and I'm just so looking forward to running it. That's so great. I can play that one too. Yeah. And, oh, what is the other? Oh, uh, Wander Home. Um, So, and I'll have a chance to run that um, in the near future as well. Um, so <laughs> completely the, different opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Is is that the as... one that's like a? I'm trying. I feel like I've heard of it, but now I can't quite place it. So you all play anthropomorphic animals, right? Okay. You yeah, are, that is the one I was thinking. But yeah, it's and it's all about the journey you take together. So there are no dice involved. Um, you you as you are journeying create the locations that you are going to. Um, and potentially create the issues you're going to have to deal with when you get there. Um, and it's a very lovely pastoral game, because um, a lot of the, especially over a long campaign, the whole thing is about the turn of the seasons and how that affects where you are and the people you're interacting with. And 
that's just a it's just a lovely little game. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to running that. Um, I am looking forward to. Uh, I I finally set myself uh, uh, up a month. I'm working on narrowing it down to a date, but that won't get until a little bit closer. But I'm actually going to run a game in October. Um, I am going to run a 10 candles game with a group of local friends. And I'm super excited about that. Um, I've been talking about doing it since PAX. And uh, that was back in March, April, something like that. Um, so I am uh, I'm really excited to actually sit down and do that. Um Next month, I'm trying out Cypher for the first time. I'm going to do like a non-streamed little one-shot for that. And I'm excited about checking that out, too. Um, and I think... I'm trying to think if there's any other systems that I haven't tried that I really like. I really want to. But those two, I'm, I'm excited about checking out. Especially um, the Ten Candles game, because I'm so fascinated by all the mechanics and that. And... It you know like it's essentially run on a timer, but the timer is the candles that you're using. Um, like you actually play by the light of ten tea candles, so um, your game cool. only lasts until the last one goes out, and then the game is over. So it's really kind of a neat, neat thing. Um, and it's very, um, it's very player narrative driven. So the story itself, like there's virtually no prep that you do like you come up with like overall here's the mission that the party's going to go on but um as the game progresses the power slowly shifts from the players to the gm because they start with a pool of dice and so like the first they call them scenes the first scene the players have all the dice the gm has none and then as the game goes on the players lose dice and the gm gains them so eventually they start rolling against each other and it's very unbalanced one way or the other so which is how it's you know it's designed they basically you, you go into the game basically knowing your character will die at the end um but uh it's cool. i don't know i'm so fascinated by it like for some reason it just really really sparked my my attention so i'm excited I for that my attention i've never experienced a player death so i don't know what it feels like to have a player i'd probably laugh i hope it would be a worth it death and i'd be ready to go with a new character but i've never experienced it ever so the way that in this game um there's only two ways that your character can die either it happens at the very very end of the game when everybody's character dies or there's like this ultimate uh i can't remember what they call it exactly right now but there's like this this conflict, conflict thing, but it's it's like a dire conflict essentially is what they call it. Something along those lines. Anyway, um, but those are the only two ways in the game that your character can die. And it's so it's meant to be like your entire party is supposed to get through to the end, but as you're going, the the threat of death for your characters gets more and more uh real. And the idea is that you are supposed to um it, yes it's sad your characters all die at the end but the idea is that whatever you've accomplished during that game is supposed to leave hope for the people that you leave behind um so it's not like 
a totally sad thing. One of the things that you have to do in the game, too, that I think is really kind of neat is you start the game after you've done character creation. You actually, um, as a party, the GM doesn't participate in this, but as a party, you actually record like a final message. And so at the end of the game, when the game is all over, you go back and you listen to the final message. And it's basically like, you know, your characters are like, you know, here's what we're going to do. And here's what I'm hoping for, for the world going forward. And, you know, this is who I am. And so it's kind of a neat, I like, I kind of like that idea. I I think that would be, I think that would be a lot of fun. I have yet. I know there are people that have played it online. I don't know how you would do that because ideally you're playing just by the light of these ten tea candles. So, if you're out there and you've done it online, tell me how it worked because I want to know how you did it. <laughs> the light of ten iPhones. <laughs> Something like that. Um. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. Uh, so Wolf Split asked uh, Lisa, "What would you think about uh, wh- about uh, Ravenloft meets My Little Pony?" And the reason he's asking is because there was actually a conversation between Wolf Split, myself, and somebody else about doing a My Little Pony in Ravenloft game, <laughs> like vampiric ponies. But no, like my like actual My Little Ponies, but stuck in Ravenloft. Oh, ooh, that'd be fun, right? Yeah. That sounds like it would be fun. That sounds like lots of laughter. Like, it would be, like, they're all good and they are very confused. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Wolf's uh, Blood I is a... Did. I was just going to say, Wolf's Blood's a, a mech pilot in uh, in um, uh, Mech Warrior. And so we were joking that his pony had to have a little, like, mech on the... As the cutie mark and... We weren't sure what power that would give him just yet, but it would be really good. <laughs> we did see uh, homebrew for that. There like, is it was a just My a Little home... Pony game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I saw like a homebrew race and class that was just for My Little Pony. Like you played as the horse, as the ponies, the three different kinds. And yeah. And then someone decided to run, uh, not Ravenloft, uh, it was the Ice one. Ice starter pack one. Ice Windale? Yeah. They decided to run that one with only My Little Pony characters. (laughs) (laughs) And they all died. Very gruesome deaths, apparently. I, I can imagine. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, Alakazam used another ask my question next. So this one is, uh, what is the worst homebrew item you have ever seen? <laughs> item? Uh-huh. Item specifically or That's any homebrew? That's what the question homebrew? says. The question says okay. homebrew item. <laughs> I'll shit on myself. So on one of my next projects coming, there's a... Uh, <laughs> There's a whole random table book. I was like, I've never made a random table book. That's something that I feel like people would probably maybe be interested in. So I started coming up with this random table. And in there is not so my flagship character, obviously, is Clyde. But the dice wizard, I mean, that's the BBEG of the world or whatever. So I was like, I should give the dice wizard some specialty magic items more, you know, more than I already have. And I created the dice wizard's dice bag. And you roll a D10, and like half the items 
give you crap like pocket lint and like spare change and <laughs> stuff like that. But then like the better items, and I say better loosely, but it's like a set of like different material dice up to like magic dice or whatever. But yeah, it's definitely probably the most worthless uh, homebrew item ever. But I had a ball making it, and one day uh, I'm going to definitely try to sell it to everybody watching this, so. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, you can go, because I'm still... Oh, I was to just going to say, so, it. yeah, speaking of uh, stupid things that we've created ourselves, um, it's not, again, well, it is an item. I created an item, and uh, you can actually buy it through Tommy's website. And um, <laughs> This is not stupid. This is flipping <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I made a, uh, a, a uh, what did I call it? A cookie tin? Um, uh-huh, like my, the grandma premium, co- cookie, premium tin. cookie tin. And uh-huh, uh, it's yeah. a random table, and so you roll on it, and you could get, like, something that you would use for crafting, or something that would be a spell component, or something like that, unless you roll between, like, a 96 and 100 on a D100, and then you actually get cookies. <laughs> so, yeah, which so, is freaking awesome. Yeah, that was my, that was my fun random <laughs> item. Oh. And shameless plug for both of us, it all goes to Luna, dollar, and you get a bonus out of it. Not only do you get the premium cookie tin for a dollar only, download it, ready to use right there, but I'll email you a code to get it to a free battle map as well. That True comes story. with commercial youth rights. So, like, crazy value for a dollar, and you get to just support two amazing people. I keep doing this. I don't know if on everybody else's screen, if Luna's to my left. She's to my left on my screen, so that's why I'm doing that. I'm right next to you on my screen. I was going to say, so. uh, to, to chat, I'm, I'm pointing on your to right homie, and above you. <laughs> yeah, so... Right. Like that. So, because we're talking about stupid ones that we've made, I'm going to talk about a stupid one I made. This is the very first homebrew thing I made, so it's going to be awful. But I decided to make a potion maker. Like, it's a giant machine that you have to wheel, you have to drag behind you with three horses, or it wouldn't move. And you just popped in ingredients, and it made a potion based off of the ingredients. But you can't tell what the potion it is until afterwards. But even then, it was so badly made to the point where... But you could have a potion that heals you 5d20, but then deals 2d100 damage to you. Like at the same time? Yes, at the same time. Okay. <laughs> and that was the most common result for what, somehow. <laughs> it was, you were literally just rolling on tables. There. Think. I don't necessarily think it's bad, um, but I did have. Uh, I wrote an article on the rat hole. Um, I like supplying GMs with little charts they can use uh, to quickly come up with stuff at the table. Um, so things like book titles and stuff like that mm-hmm. that players inevitably ask and gms because we're all very busy are inevitably just don't have that off the top of our head um one of the things that i did was just a a random table of marginalia 
which is like <laughs> in old texts when they were when they would hand illuminate all of these books, uh, they would oftentimes just write little cartoons and stuff into the margins of whatever they were writing, um, just to see if well, <laughs> to see if anyone was paying attention, but also just to amuse themselves. Um, so I just came up with a whole list of, um, like magical marginalia to put in the, in the corners of books. Um, however, at the time that I was writing it, um, a, <laughs> a lot of the actual historical marginalia is, um, let's say very graphically either violent or sexual in nature. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was a lot of fun. I've never made an item. Like, I, I tried to make a costume piece. Does that count? <laughs> sure. Uh, we had our, like, Halloween. I did a show called Boy Jumpers, which was the um, Monster of the Week we did for a year, actually. It started... May of 2020, so like me and a bunch of actor friends were like, nobody's working. Let's let's do a show on yeah. Twitch. We did it for a year, and our like Halloween episode, we're like, where's all good dress up? And so, I played a fire summoner. So I like I had like a burgundy robe, like summoner's robe, but then I took construction paper and glitter and made these like flames coming <gasps> off of it. It was so bad. It was so bad. I love it. But that's like the most, I don't get crafty. Like that's the most I can do. <laughs> I bet there are pictures if we dig around the internet hard enough. <laughs> oh yeah, there's definitely pictures of it. <laughs> so I have a second item, which this is something that a math teacher at my high school made. Because at my high school, D&D is very popular. Oh, nice. To the point yeah. where there's not an entire club for it, but there might as well be because the entire game club is basically just indie at this point. Mm -hmm. To the point, some teachers they say, "I'm gonna pick up on this and use D and D to help teach class," as they should. So, with 32 okay. students, she DM'd all 32 of them in one campaign all at once. They were the players. She had to make the textbook as an item in D and D. That's clever, actually. Yeah, but she also she decided to make it. She instead of having it just be a lore-wise textbook, she made it so that it is what assigned your homework to you. So she had to make a new table for every day that just randomly gave you a page that for whatever the lesson was and what questions to do. But it always gave, it almost always gave you ones that weren't actually possible. It's like, let's say on page 152, you would get question 9 through 10. There's no question 9 and there's no question 10. It's a good concept. I wish more teachers did that. We also never played the indie before, and I know what it was before the school year. But still, hey, kudos to your teacher for trying, though. Mm -hmm. She was not my teacher; she was a friend's teacher. But she apparently did a pretty good job. 
to the point where people actually were interested in learning algebra. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty great. Yep. Um, Alakazam in chat just said, I once made a floating sentient skull that can, can't be harmed and cast vicious mockery whenever it wants. But that's perfect. Right? <laughs> so good. Oh, a cat. I like that, though. Yeah. Vicious mockery? I'm going to add that to my vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a cat? Uh, I love it. All right. Well, we are at a great place to pause and take a break. So we are going to do that. We will be back in just a few minutes. And uh, we've got a whole pile of questions that we still haven't gotten to yet. So we will answer those as soon as we come back from the break. We will see you in just a few minutes. All right, everyone, we are back from our break. Hope you had a good break. Um, as you can see, Molly has joined joined the fun. She didn't move at all from the break, so she's hanging out. Um, we are going to dive right back in with some of our questions that we have. And the next one that we have comes from, uh, comes from Gum, actually. And Gum would like to know, uh, what's something that has repeatedly inspired you? A friend, a loved one, a pet, a book series, so on and so forth. Hmm. see it threw me off there at the end because at first i was thinking of my list of people that inspire me i was like okay which of my friends do i want to put on blast right now and shower with love <laughs> but then he threw it in so like is he talking about like source material that inspires me or like a, a person or a, yes. i think i'm overthinking the question uh, yeah i mean it's i think just where do you draw inspiration from uh, okay. Media in general, I get most of my inspiration from TV shows, movies, and books. Just subconsciously, because yeah. if you watch something, you're going to remember it. And like, even if you think it's an original idea, there's no such thing as an original idea. It's so hard. Is it in like pertaining to like tabletop games, or is this just in life? I'm going to say either or, because <laughs> I like this question. <laughs> yes. It's so, like, I'm inspired by so much. Like, music inspires me. Music, musical. What's funny is when I'm studying right now in, in school, I'll put on um, video game. I'll, like, do video game music because it's, for some reason, makes me feel so creative and, like, focused in in that um you know so music's kind of like if i'm feeling in a rut that's the like the first thing that i go to is yeah. uh is music video um, game music is more repetitive and has more beats so that could be why yeah and it's usually like i've got like a lot of the elder scrolls i've got oh, such uh, a good Jeremy, soundtrack Jeremy yeah. Soul, i think it, his music is so good so um good. elden ring recently i love I love just any of that, like, grand, sweeping, like, music soundtracks, um, video game soundtracks. So that's really where I go. And then I have so many people in my life that I look up to um, that inspire me, like, the people that are just constantly creating, like, like, like Raphael, um, Raph. Um, yeah. He, he, he is a, if you don't know, he's got his PhD in psychology, and I'm going to school for psychology because I would like to do therapy with youth based around gaming and you know like i super want to do that and he's already gone down that route so it's been really fun to be able to just you know pick his ear and pick his brain and that actually sounds like it could be very helpful as well for anyone yeah right 
it's just such a great way. Well, and then I've, I've been an actor for so long that I have improv background too, so I can like I'm trying to like work both of that into into it. But I think just anybody I see out there that's like doing what they love, even though there's so many obstacles to it, like you know, and they just keep persevering. Like that's so inspiring to me. So I guess I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll give it a shot on this one. Uh, I was because I'm a writer first and foremost before any of my other um, self-anointed talents or whatever. So Hunter S. Thompson, uh, for anybody that knows me, it probably makes a crazy amount of sense that I would say Hunter S. Thompson is one of the, uh, I would say, most creatively influential people over my creativity in my uh, in my journey so far. But Hunter, for sure. Uh, just in life in general, just because how effing strong she is and like I want to quit all the time and I know she does, but she doesn't. And so I can't if she's not going to mm. happy birthday tomorrow to my wife. I fucking love you. And you're the number one inspiration for me in my life. Uh, Eden, our daughter, she's real close to it, but you're still number one, baby. Uh, professionally, though, my sister uh, and her basically husband they're one of those people that are long term like oh we don't need to get married like y'all basically married just you guys like filing taxes anyway so my sister professionally like <laughs> she's the hairstylist and her husband uh devin is a barber but i've watched not devin because i haven't known him as long but i literally watched my sister start from sweeping up hair on the salon floor and that's what she got paid to do to now she owns her own salon and is able to she's out there in uh, dc the past week taking her two kids on vacation or well, three kids on vacation because devin's uh devin's with him and his son like seeing her go like and just grind like and it's not about the cutting hair it's just about like you said like finding that thing you love like finding that passion and like seeing her stick with it and then so like on days where professionally i'm like man i've got nobody to make a map for today i might as well throw in the towel like no tommy grind it out like look at your sister she's younger than you she's out here balling you need to catch up to her so those are the hunter s thompson my wife my sister we'll go with they're my top three well happy birthday to your wife yeah. uh, thank you <laughs> going to king's island tomorrow yeah <laughs> <laughs> um Probably, like, my main inspiration um, just for the types of stories that I tell and um, sort of how I try to treat people inside of tabletop role-playing uh, games and inside the community uh, would be my grandfather. Um, his name is William Lindsay. <laughs> Uh, and if you ever play any sort of modernish game with me, you will probably uh, realize that, yeah, I usually name my characters after him. Um, the reason being is that my grandfather was who introduced me to fantasy literature. Um, he introduced me to The Lord of the Rings. He introduced me to uh, Lord Dunsinay, which was a, a much earlier sort of a fantasist um, and all of that and then when I discovered Dungeons and Dragons at age 10 um, 
one of the things that excited me so much about it, I mean, not only was I having a great time like learning this game and, and, and playing it, but I knew when I went to my grandfather's farm that summer, um, I knew he would love it too. And I could sit down and, and this was something that I could like share back with him. Um, and a little bit of a downer. Um, my grandfather had a stroke <laughs> shortly about two months after I discovered D and D. Um, so I never actually got to play, uh, D and D or any role-playing game with my grandfather. Um, just, uh, it just wasn't in the cards, but, you know, I always took sort of his imagination and his, just his overall kindness, um, as sort of inspiration going forward in the hobby. Uh, and so that's sort of what I try to bring to, bring to the games that I run. And when I'm talking with people and dealing with people in the hobby, that's sort of, uh, he's, you know, sort of sitting on my shoulder um, making sure I stick to the stick to the straight and narrow. For what it's worth, bro, I don't believe you when you say you never played with him, especially when you carry his name with you into that uh, battlefield of the game. Like, he's there with you and proud, standing right next beside you. Yeah. Well, that's part of the reason I do it, is so that uh, he, you know, at least his name gets to, to exist in the space. I even made him a villain. I figured he would have fun being a villain, so I made him a villain in the game. And that was great. Yeah. You make me cry, dude. You got to stop talking, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually once had my great grandpa. Uh, he technically he was an actor, but he he only played minor roles in I think it was only three movies. Uh, the Wizard of Oz being one of them. But, like, the Judy Garland one, he played one of the flying monkeys. Uh, I had a Wizard of Oz. Oh, what? I said that's so cool, though. Yeah, I never met him. But I had a Wizard of Oz-themed game where get got rid of the Wicked Witch. The flying monkeys are the real bad guys. Because my great-grandpa played the leader of the flying monkeys. I had him as the main villain. Yeah. And I talked to my grandpa, who knew him, was actually on set a couple times, questions about the set and such to help better play it. Yeah. I don't remember any of the other movies he was in, though. I don't even know his name, so... I... Uh... I guess, like, for me, inspiration is just, like, everywhere, really. Um, I draw, you know, kind of like what Lisa said, I draw a lot from music. I listen to a lot of music. I listen to a lot of different kinds of music. Um, video game soundtracks are amazing. <laughs> um, you know, Enon Zor's Dragon Age soundtracks are fantastic. The um, uh, Divinity Original Sin um, soundtracks are incredible. Like, you know, those are fantastic. Um, Kyellen, who did the, the background music that unfortunately, like you guys actually on the stream with me can't hear, but chat can hear it. Um, uh, a lot of his stuff, um, you know, he, he had a Patreon for a little while and some of the stuff that he would release on his Patreon before it went public, you know, he would put 
you know, like a one minute segment and he would say, you know, uh, basically trying to get a feel for like, you know, what, uh, what does, what does this evoke? What, um, you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of thing does this, you know, emotion does this evoke or mental picture does this evoke? And, you know, so a lot of stuff like that, like I can, I'm one of those people that I will get very visual images in my head when I listen to music. Um, so I, I will draw from that a lot. Um, you know, specifically there was one piece that he released and like, I could leave it like literally even picture like this is where the camera is panning right now and you know and all of that so um so I would say that um I've based characters on my daughter when she was younger uh when she was like two I played a kender that was based on her literally like anything she did during the course of the week my my character did during the game um so that was fun um and then uh I guess on a grander scale um you know, there's a few people that are very close to me that I, I think really help me in like the, in the production piece of being part of the TTRPG community that really like, you know, push me to want to put out the best stream that I can, or, you know, um, that are always, you know, helping me find really cool guests and, you know, helping me connect with people and, um, you know, uh, just really like there for a lot of support you know my moderators my best friend my boyfriend like all of these people that I sort of bounce stuff off of and kind of say like hey this is what I'm thinking about doing you know that sort of thing and so I think I get a lot of inspiration from that as well but and then I I, going back to um what a couple of you were saying about like books and authors and that sort of thing the the 10 candles game that I'm looking at running um come the book comes with a bunch of like pre-generated you know two paragraph uh you know stories that you can run but you know there's a book that I wouldn't be running the story that's in the book but it gave me like uh a really good sort of like environment to set the game in so I was like oh I think maybe I'll run it in that setting so to speak so you know yeah a lot of stuff like that Um, all right, let's see. Uh, Orc had another question. Um, Lisa, I'm pretty sure you said earlier you had a seven-year campaign, but this will be, uh, Orcris would like to know what has been your longest campaign and what is it about? (laughs) Might have all been. So as a DM, yeah, same. Like when I was, uh, as a DM, only time I ever actually got to DM was when I, very first got into TTRPGs, which was that like four months between the start of 2020 or whatever and April of 2020 when I could no longer go to work and I had to stay at home for the rest of the next three years or whatever. So I got into TTRPGs in January of that year. And for my family, my aunt gave me the box set of D&D and was like, here, I think you'd be a really good DM based on the way you write. Like, figure it out so we can play it. And uh, so I did. And it was for my family. But then COVID hit. And because of health reasons, travel reasons, obviously stay at home, that all went to crap. So we played for like four months as a DM. And then as a player, because of COVID and because I got on Twitter, I met a whole bunch of people and other places all over the world. I've actually, until uh, I told Luna before, until we played in that Starfinder game, I had never played with another American, like as a PC, 
yeah, like I've always been the token American on the cast or whatever, <laughs> like of the games. But uh, so um, as a player, it was the same group basically for like two years. But we'll say approximately the first year was Monsters and uh, or Mutants and Masterminds. And then the second year was 5e. So like that's my longest for a consistent game or whatever. Uh, mine's, uh, 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 I think it was 2014, so that's eight years. We started playing with, with my buddy Raf, uh, D, uh, DMing it, and then a couple of my best friends, my husband, we all just got together on Sundays and had brunch in D&D, um, and I, I couldn't tell you what it's about. It's <laughs> like, I think it started with us all as a bunch of people in trouble and we had to like serve King Bob of the land of I don't even remember the land and we just went on like missions and it's warped and changed so much but we're all still alive and um, every time well this was back in the beginning but every time anybody mentioned the name King Bob you had to take a shot of fireball which just diverted <laughs> <laughs> and it was like Usually it was just Raph trying to rein everybody in, so it was very fun. I play a, um, a half-elf rogue. That's kind of tends to be what I end up just going towards. I don't know why. Um, yeah, but it was super fun. And then the pandemic hit, and we tried to play online, and it was rough. It was just a little bit harder. Um, so we just got together, like, when did we get together? We got together, like, in December, I think, and we played for the first time in, like, a year and a half, and... Raph put together this like um, Christmas carnival with these elves and like fun houses and like all this stuff. And we had to locate this special egg. You had to win with tickets. I mean, it was so charming. It was so fun. Um, but we're trying to trying to get together again this summer. But but yeah, it's lasted for eight years. It's been a long campaign. <laughs> uh, it's not really a long campaign, but uh, growing up. Um, like I said, I started playing when I was 10 years old, and then I sort of found, like, a group of friends, or fell into a group of friends that started playing. We played together regularly uh, around age 12, and that lasted uh, different games and different... D&D was always the constant, but we were also playing, like, all the TSR stuff that was coming out, so, like, Gamma World and... and uh, Star Frontiers and Call of, you know, other systems, Call of Cthulhu, that sort of stuff. Basically, any game we could get our hand on, hands on, because we were in northern northern Alberta. Um, so the only the only store in town that brought in any gaming material whatsoever was the local bookstore. So we were sort of at the mercy of whatever they decided to bring in. Um, we were together as a group gaming for. Well, I left Fort McMurray after graduating college in 2019, so that was, say, nine years that we we gamed together and, and stuff like that, and even, even when I left Fort McMurray and moved to Edmonton, we still, most of us had moved to Edmonton to go to university, um, so... We still tried to get together for the, the odd game here and there, even though we were all much busier now. Um, really do miss having the the social calendar of a 13 year old um right. where <laughs> but uh yeah 
that's sort of the longest uh, I've gamed with anyone. Um, and yeah, I definitely miss it. My longest campaign, which this was the first campaign I ever DM'd. I, this was before I even played D&D as a player. Yes, I DM'd before I played as a player. It was about a year long. I don't, not that long, but it was a play by post campaign for a year on Discord. So, this was between, tw so September 2019 through September 2020. So, that's when I first started playing. Uh, it's the one with Bortol as well from earlier. So, they, so the players had to. First off, they had to find out who the villain was, and then defeat the villain, and there's a secondary villain. Uh, yeah. It was heavily inspired by this one YouTube series that I was watching at the time. And it's all been removed off of YouTube right now, so I don't remember the name and I can't find it, but yeah. My longest game has probably only been, I want to say maybe like a year, year and a half. Um, it's been fairly short, but that said, I also didn't start playing until after I became a parent. So that might have something to do with it. Um, but also too, like my group had a few people in it that liked to DM. So we tried to not play super long campaigns so everybody that wanted to could get a chance to try DMing a game. So um, so that was kind of nice for me like as a new player because I got to play with a lot of different DMs when I started. So I kind of got to see like this is how this person does it and this is how this person does it and this is how this person does it. So I got a, a feel for that really early on. Um, I don't... I think that might have been... I don't remember the entire campaign because it was like, I don't know, 10, 13, something like that years ago. Um, but it was the one where at the very end, it was it was this one of those games. You know how when you sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, OK, you have to be getting to the end now. Like you've got like this. This has to be the last fight or whatever. And then it keeps going and you're like, OK, now this has to be the end, you know, and then it keeps going. That's kind of how this campaign felt. We were like, we've got to be getting close to the end now. And then, like, it would just keep going. And so, finally, we finish up this fight. Uh, we were out at sea. We get into a fight with a kraken, of all things. And the entire party, after we get through the battle, and, like, the ship's all busted up, and we've lost half the people on the ship and whatever, and we just all look at each other, and we were like, so we're pirates now, and we're just doing whatever we want. Yep, that's our thing now. And we just ended the game, right? Like, we were like, we're pirates now. Screw it. Um, and the, the poor DM, like, in retrospect, I'm like, that was a really lousy way for us to end his game. But uh, it was also kind of like, dude, we're, we're done. <laughs> like, we're all set here. <laughs> oh, I think my, my campaign was really long, but it was not, like, the most that I've done. Because the show that I did... For a year, we did every week for 13 months, so that's like we did I don't even 56 shows. Yeah. So that was definitely the and the um, the DM, his name is Jesse Lee Keeter. He 
like mapped out a seven ar- seven season arc of this show and he like loosely based it on monster of the week and then it was so well done and so well thought of that like every week coming to that felt like playing in the most magical engaged world like awesome. i look it was the highlight of my week was doing this show and you know there were tears we had character deaths we had like unreal hilarity like you couldn't even keep yourself straight we did fundraisers like it was such a wonderful experience that really cemented my love for this genre and the people in it like like i I finally feel like you know at my age i'm like oh now i found my people like where were these people in my (laughs) yeah i need it (laughs) you know i need it now too but it just was like i will love the ttrpg community in fact, I told Raph, I was like, we're going to be D&Ding in the nursing home. We will make a gamer-centric <laughs> nursing home for older people, and we can just game. I'll I would like that. into that, actually. Can I reserve a bed now? Yes! Sweet. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will happily be the owner of that, because I'm, yes. I'm only 18, so... Yes, you could be the owner. Uh, I know it is funny to think though that like there will be a generation where like instead of playing bingo in the in the you know rec room at the nursing home everybody's going to be playing D anD D. How great would that right? be? Right? Funny. Or I'm Super in. Smash or Super Smash Bros. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I try really hard on your show, then it'd be like nice Tommy or whatever. But I got a mean sense of humor, and all I'm trying to do is hold back jokes about D anD D with dementia and Alzheimer's. <laughs> These games are not going to go the oh, way we're oh. expecting them to go. Oh, no, 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 not no. at all. We're going to play That's the it. same game over and over and over every no, no, week. No, no, no. My great-grandparents on my mom's mom's side, they, uh, my grand, my great-grandma had, uh, it was either dementia or Alzheimer's. It messed up with her memories. That's all I remember. But she loved D&D. D&D was the one thing she could remember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we had to. So we purposely put everything that we wanted her to remember in a D and D campaign for her. Aww, that's so great. Like we played characters with our names and with our actual names, because she would call us our D and D characters' names instead of our actual names. So we decided to just merge them together. So I feel like most people who like D&D who end up having Alzheimer's or dementia would, could possibly be very similar to that. <laughs> For all they remember is the D&D stuff. Yeah. Potentially. My grandmother, God rest her soul, she died from dementia. And the last thing she said to me was, who are you? So I don't know if she was into D&D or not, but potentially that would have helped have a one less traumatic experience in my life i'm not too sure but yeah you know (laughs) is what it is live and learn unless you're me then you live learn and make jokes (laughs) (laughs) um so so uh zeal zaddy wanted to know what's the most valuable thing you have learned from your first dm or gm I've done it yet, so I want to hear about your guys' experience. <laughs> uh, patience. 
um, was probably the the thing I remember from my first GM um, because my first experience with D and D was the public library in Fort McMurray. One of the assistant librarians decided to start up and run D and D for kids, and so just advertised it on on the bulletin board at the library. Um, and so I showed up for that. Any given week, there was anywhere between a dozen and 20 of us. Wow. Um, and just him, at least initially, uh, as, the, as the sole DM, uh, because no one had been playing it enough to, to step in and, and DM at that point. Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't know how we did it. Um, I just remember him being like very happy and and uh, patient with all of us all the time. Uh, a room full of uh, rambunctious like ten to twelve year olds um, that were just super excited to get to live out what we had been reading in our uh, our fantasy books. And uh, yeah, so that was probably the big thing, and that has. Stood me in good stead through like running games for organized play and and stuff like that. Um, running games for new people, um, yeah, it's just been a good a good lesson to learn. On a much lighter note, I think uh, the first thing that I learned from or the thing that I learned from my first DM or GM is anything can be a miniature if you try hard enough. Because right. we did everything theater of the mind except for on occasion when somebody needed like uh you know what's the layout for this battle or where exactly is this enemy in the room or that sort of thing and then we were like i was i was literally just having this conversation with someone yesterday uh you know okay so you the enemy is this penny that's right here and then you are the little um red rose tea figurine of the bunny that we just got last week and then um uh okay uh these uh other three are um the various color d6s and you know like so anything can be a mini <laughs> uh the one thing that, uh, so my first DM was a high school teacher. He taught English and history. He no longer teaches at my school anymore, but he had to DM. He had to DM for three high school classes at once, to roughly ninety people, with just him. So he was like, "Screw it! I'm not planning. I'm never planning again." Never planned. And I've never played for a session since. In fact, I've never played for a session in my entire life of playing D&D. Or any TTRPG. Improv. I'll follow that up. I definitely do plan. I don't go with no planning. But I used to tell people all the time, what's the one thing that you will never learn in school, no matter how far into academia you travel, but you will learn almost immediately in the real world. Empathy. Anybody have a guess? No, it's that you don't have to know everything for people to believe that you do. And so I've known that as a principal for a long time, but it wasn't until playing for James again, the first time I ever got to be a PC, and watching it from the, the perspective of the player, 
and being like, man, this MFR has all this planned down to a T. This dude thought through everything. How did he know this? And then talking to him afterwards, he's like, oh, no, I had this all planned out. But you guys went over here. So we just kind of did all that in the moment. And it's like, dude, that was so smooth. I don't know how you did that, how you transitioned it. Like, I know how you did it. You just rolled with it. You're real slick. But that was where the, like, the, the reaffirmation for me of that principle within this niche of, like, as the DM, you don't have to know everything, and your players will believe that you do. So as long as you can carry yourself with some form of confidence that you plan this out, then you're A1. You're probably the best DM they've ever played for if you can do that. I'll also take a second and quickly flip the question. Um, I'm hoping that as I DM for other people and talk with other DMs who are, are entering the hobby and stuff like that, the one thing that I teach them is uh, anything can be a mimic. Yes. <laughs> yes. I In one session, I even what? had the armor be, their armor be mimicked the entire campaign. Yeah. When in doubt, make something a mimic. Make them a mimic. And have it already be in the room with you. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right, let's see. Um, where is it? There it is. Okay, um, so another question. This was a, a kind of a fun one to get close to the end of the, the night. So uh, Jason would like to know, if your hometown was launching a new professional sports team, what D&D monster would you choose as their mascot? Does it matter the sport? Nope, it just says a new professional sports team. Okay. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> Like initially, I was like a lich, but. And I'm sorry, the I'm Seattle sorry. Kraken is already taken. So. Yeah. That's fair. Wait, I'm about to get out my monster manual because I need to look <laughs> through the alphabet of monsters. <laughs> right I'm now. also doing that right now too. So if it's based on my like the hometown that I grew up in, it would probably be a flump. <laughs> yeah, flumps are amazing. Because I grew up in like this tiny little town where nothing happens and. The oh. idea of them having a professional sports team is kind of laughable. So, and plumps are adorable. I mean, they really are. <laughs> They're pretty awesome. You know what? I'm pulling out. I my mom got this for me a couple years ago for my birthday. I have never actually fully read through any of these books. <laughs> oh, you gotta read them, man! I got notes all through, them, man. It's gonna help you. No, 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 no. This is uh. It's not an actual player a book to play with. It's a book with just information on the things for little kids. Fair, fair. Um, I figured, actually, I figured out. Go ahead. I was going to say, actually, just recently, <clears throat> uh, because our local, our football team had to rename themselves um, because they used to be, uh, their name used to be a pejorative name for our Inuit peoples. Um, <laughs> and now they're the Edmonton Elks, but I remember for the longest time, like, suggesting names, like the Edmonton Ettons, um, uh, what was another E name? I can't remember. 
Okay. I like I like alliteration, but we also went with like things like the Edmonton Owl Bears. The there's a tradition in Canada of naming teams after uh, wildlife. So I like Owl Bears. Okay. That would be great. So I found oh. three that could work: a Frost Giant, Cloud Giant, <laughs> and Storm Giant. There you go. The Everett Frost Giant. Hmm. It has a decent ring to it. I found the one that spoke to me. So at first, I was thinking, I love the Colts, so I'm going to replace the Pacers. But then I was like, well, I mean, the Pacers is kind of a cool logo, and Colts are some ponies, so we can go with something a little more aggressive than that. We are now the Naptown Bone Nagas. Yeah! Tell me that's not gangster. <laughs> yeah, that's what we is now. The Naptown yeah, Bone Nagas. So I technically have, like, three hometowns, because... I consider them all homes, but my mom and dad live in two different towns, My and I live with my grandparents. So Everett, Ross Giant, uh, I would say Sultan would have to be a Banshee, and then Kent would have to be a Dragon Turtle. That would be cool. What's that, like, gelatinous cube thing? Gelatinous cube. Gelatinous cube. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I'm yeah. going with that. Well, there's multiple gelatinous cubes, but. Well, my book is like monster mythology. It's the only one I could find right now, and it does not yeah. have their names. Um. Yeah, I was trying to think. Like, uh, I was trying to think if uh, there was anything for the town that I currently live in, but um, I got nothing. <laughs> Luna. There, that's the mascot. Yeah. Just Luna. It's, just, it's, just Luna. <laughs> it's not you. It's just a monster that no one has heard of. Yeah, that's what mm -hmm. it is. That's mm -hmm. what it is. It, no, it's a homebrew monster. Yeah, that's it. That counts, right? Sure, nobody said it couldn't be a homebrew monster. I think. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've changed the question before. Yeah, no, a couple it just times, says D&D so. monster. It doesn't say it can't be homebrew. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right. Well, we're actually getting pretty close to um, wrapping up, and this will also allow us to roll in the last question that we got. So, um, the last question that we got came in from Orcrest, and Orc had to go cook dinner. So the last question was, what is your favorite game time snack? So what we're going to do is this. We're going to go back around, have everyone remind us of who you are and where we can find you on the internet and all of that good stuff, and tell us what your favorite game time snack is as you, uh, as you do that. So we're going to go in the reverse order from when we started. So uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher your, your screen name, so I'm just going to call you Pending Data again. <laughs> So we're going to start with you. <laughs> okay, so it's aluminum, like okay. aluminum, but British. <laughs> <laughs> but anonymous. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, you can I, you can find me on Twitter. I make games that I sell on Director RPG. After October, they'll also be up for sale on itch.io. Specifically after October. I can't do it legally before. Yeah. But uh, my favorite game time snack, I would have to say, is pizza. Always a solid choice. Like I can eat three large Domino's pizzas during a five-hour session while DMing. 
That's a lot of pizza. Pizza's mm -hmm. good, though. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on and hanging out tonight. It was nice to, um, I always say it's nice to put a name to a Twitter face. Uh, in this case, it's nice to put a name to a discord hand, a face to a discord handle. Um, so, uh, it was good to have you on Tommy, your turn. Yes. Thank you again so much, Luna, for inviting me onto uh, your platform. I had a great time as always. Uh, again, I'm Tommy math from math productions. I'm a commissioned miniature painter and battle map maker. I also create different 5e homebrews. I like to sponsor and partner and work with other artists, whether you be a writer, content creator. I'm looking for an artist. Please, I've lost so much money paying people for work I've never got. So please, if you're a Twitter uh, artist and you want to do some dope stuff with me, like, let's work together. I need an artist. But uh, other than that, you can buy games, minis, anything from me. And my favorite uh, snack is Sweet Tart Ropes. I like to sit there and chew on them little sour things. Oh. Never had one before. Oh, you're that's that that uh, void that you feel right here. That's what fills that <laughs> that's up. That's what fills you it never up. Feed them around <laughs> you, so they're amazing. Nice, awesome. Well, thank you uh, again for coming back on and hanging out. It's always a pleasure to get to hang out with you. Uh, I enjoy it very much. Um, As do I. Thank you, Lisa. Me. This was so fun. Um, I, I stream on Twitch under the handle name Hey Smalls with a Z. Um, uh, currently playing, um, I just finished Elden Ring, so now I'm going into like, I play DBD and Phasmophobia, and uh, sometimes I play Animal Crossing. Sometimes I'll add in some sweet streams, but mostly it's scary games. Um, I, you can also find me on Twitter at Lisa Coronado and on TikTok at Lisa Coronado16. Um, I don't know, got anything else to push. My favorite snack is tacos. Hey. Yeah. Can't I'll eat tacos anytime. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for coming on and hanging out. It was great to get to meet you. And uh, I'm really glad that um, Orchris reached out and, and said, hey, you should have Lisa on your stream because it was really fun to uh, to have you. So that's great. Um, and uh, we'll skip again, Steve, the baby dragon. Very quiet. Doesn't say very much. So Brent. <laughs> Yes. Um, again, my name is Brent. Uh, I go by Dorklord Canada on Twitter, uh, and that is also my website, dorklordcanada.ca. Uh, I also write for a site called The Rat Hole. Um, things I want to quickly plug. One is uh, on July 16th and 17th, I'm going to be GMing a D&D session for... Uh, Rolling for Reproductive Rights, uh, which has been organized by Just the Human, at Just the Human on Twitter. I love Jess. Um, yeah, it's going to be a, uh, I was shocked to get the call and excited to, to take it on. Uh, there's going to be all sorts of stuff going on besides me running D&D. There's going to be tons of other creative people running uh, stuff like uh, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, Monster of the Week, Kids on Bikes. Uh, Visigoths versus Molgoths uh, and a lot more so uh, please come out for that and then on a more personal note I am I have recently just started my big um, sort of middle of the year push for uh, Extra Life I fundraise for them every year um, and this year I've decided to go extra hard my, my goal for them this year is $3,500 uh, I am currently one thirty-fifth of the way there, and I'm very excited about that. Um, <laughs> hey! But 
in return for that, um, I'm going to be doing a lot more streaming this year. I'm going to be finally knuckling down and learning how to do streaming and stuff like that uh, so that I can run games online and uh, and do that some that stuff. So probably the first major thing you'll see is uh, August, the, the tabletop role-playing appreciation weekend uh, that Extra Life does. I'll be doing a 12-hour uh, streamathon uh, where I'm going to run f- three different games with a bunch of different players. So, Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. And you actually provided a really great segue to what I needed to talk about. Um, and so, uh, like Brent, we are also going to be fundraising for Extra Life, only a little before the Tabletop Weekend. Our, uh, our cha- my cha- my channel, my channel, um, with the assistance of lots of amazing DMs and uh, my moderators and very fantastic artists and people like that, um, are going to be doing a three-day, well, technically like two-day plus a several-hour stream, um, uh, Extra Life Charity Stream Weekend Extravaganza. So... As such, we are taking next week off from Tales from the Tavern because it's the 4th of July weekend here in the U.S. And uh, everybody's going to be out and about and shooting off fireworks and all of that good stuff. Um, But so that I have a a little bit of time uh, to gear up for that, uh, we will be starting on Friday night, 6.30 Eastern. Uh, Chris, uh, also known as Saint of Demons on Twitter, uh, who is the DM for the Discount Dungeons podcast. Uh, that is a 5e podcast. Um, he is going to be GMing a 5e one shot on Friday night, um, right here on this channel. And then on Saturday, we have uh, a game that will be GM'd. I think the system is still TBD. They haven't settled on a system yet, um, but that's going to be run by Matt, uh, also known as Dungeon Glitch on Twitter. Um, that's going to be super, super fun. Great group there. Uh, and then we've got Brianna Jean is going to be running an Esper Genesis game after that. And then Star Shinobi will be DMing uh, another 5e game Saturday night. And then on Sunday, we've got Ty Burris, the author, uh, the creator and author of Aether and Steamworks, will be GMing an Aether and Steamworks one shot here. And then we will be wrapping the whole thing up with another episode of Tales from the Tavern on the 10th. So it's going to be a very busy weekend. Uh, our goal is not quite as ambitious as Brent's. We're hoping to raise a little <laughs> over a thousand because last year I raised, we raised a thousand dollars for it. So I'm hoping to get like eleven hundred this year. Um, but in one weekend, that's pretty pretty good, and uh, I'm glad to say we already have a fifty dollar donation in in uh, and submitted. So we're already we're already started. It's great. We're already ahead awesome. of the game. Um, so please come back and check that out. Since we won't be here next week, hopefully uh, you all can swing by the weekend uh, sometime between the eighth and the tenth, and and check out all the goings on then. So in the meantime, uh, like I said, we're going to be sorry. Sorry, I just wanted to quickly jump yeah. in and say because I didn't, I didn't say my snack. Oh yeah. Um, so, so my snack is a uniquely Canadian one. Um, there Dang. is a brand uh, cheesies, they're called, um, and they are uh, a very sort of like um, um, cheesy puffs or, or whatever, but they're yeah. a, a, a hard, crunchy, salty, cheddary snack. Uh, and they are like my absolute favorite. Well, and my so friend goes over the border this year. About really good. ten pounds worth of it. Oh my goodness! And just a booth and... an entire suitcase. 
setting up a booth and selling them at Gen Con is my retirement plan. So there you go. Good plan. I like it. I like anyway. it. <laughs> hey, um, if you're going to Gen Con, stop by the Oddfish Games booth uh, coming up and yeah, say hi to me. Oddfish. Do it. Go stop yeah. by and say hi. What days are you there? For uh, Friday and Saturday, I mean, did you say? Yeah, I think Friday and Saturday, yeah. Cool. Just show up every day and look for him, and if you don't see him, tweet at him. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably show up on the other two days and just be wandering around trying to give people free Clydes and shit. That's what I did last year, at least, so. Do it. It'll be great. <laughs> right. I did get an autographed box of minis from Beetle and Grimm last year at Gen Con, and I felt super, super weird asking them for an autograph, but it was so worth it. Like, nice. I love it. That's great. <laughs> I like that. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. My favorite game time snack is, um, well, if I go the healthy route, I'm going to say grapes. And if I go the unhealthy route, it's the sweet and sour, uh, sweet and sour, sweet and sour Twizzlers. Yeah. Those are okay. Twizzlers I like. They're super yummy. And I could eat an entire package in one sitting if I tried. Um, (laughs) I actually know I could do it without trying. I could do it pretty darn easily. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I all feel right. you on that. So this has been Tales from the Tavern. We will be off next week, back again with a vengeance the following weekend uh, for Extra Life to raise money for that. And um, yeah, it'll be awesome. So we're going to drop a raid right now. We're actually going to go over and raid uh, Stephen Dewey, who is not playing a TTRPG. However, Stephen Dewey is the creator of Ten Candles. So... Uh, we want to drop by and spread some love and all of that good stuff. So uh, hope you all have a great night. Uh, we will see you all in a couple of weeks when we come back with the Extra Life event. Have a lovely evening, everybody. Bye. I should go. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Tales from the Tavern. You can catch this podcast recorded live every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv forward slash GamerMomLuna. All of our questions come directly from chat, so we never really know what to expect when we go live. If you ever have a question or would like to add something to the conversation, feel free to reach out on Twitter at GamerMomLuna and use the hashtag TFTT. You may just get to hear it answered. Thanks so much. I should go.